Welcome to Fresh Pressed for May 12th, 2020. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and mom grooves. Mom grooves. Is that like mom jeans? Yeah, mom grooves. They have... I don't know what mom jeans are. Hey, kids, it's, it's been too... I'm too afraid to ask at this point. What does mom jeans mean? Is it a specific thing? Yeah. Is it a cut of jean? Yes, it's a cut of jean. I think generally mom jeans refer to high-waisted jeans, which then became like a thing. Oh, high waist. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. But I also always envision mom jeans as being acid washed, which may or may not be an actual thing. So we decided to do motherly grooves, mom grooves. Um, What's your mom groove? The song that I have brought for this Mother's Day is a song from last Mother's Day. <laughs> And it is called My Mother and I by Lucy Dacus. The stars have a Um, so this song is from a project that Lucy Dacus did last year uh, where she released um, various songs for the year. I mean, there are maybe like seven, six or seven uh, total um, for different holidays. And uh, I mean, one of the holidays was Bruce Springsteen's birthday. So that was, <laughs> I guess that counts. It definitely counts, especially where we're from. Yeah, so she like released them around that time, like a little ahead of the holiday, either a cover related to the holiday or a couple of them were original songs like this one, My Mother and I, which she released for Mother's Day last year. I think that the the tracks that really shine from this project are her original songs. Yeah, I didn't know that she did this project, so I don't know where I was, but this is a great idea for a project. Yeah, I don't know. It was happening all year, so. I feel like I should go and listen to it other than this song. She does the Lafayette Rose, Dancing in the Dark. Yeah. Um, this is a great song. Yeah, so this is a uh, really beautiful, and like all of Lucy Dakes' music, really simply and skillfully crafted and just so, like, punch-in-the-gut powerful. So it's sort of about coming to terms with the good and the bad that you've inherited and learned from your mother. She talks in the first half about, um, or in the first verse, about the way that her mother talks about her own body versus her daughter's body, which looks similar, but her mother's like, oh, I hate my body, but I love your body. But it's like, but, so there's like that complicated, like, am I going to feel like that? Should I, am I supposed to feel like that about myself? And then sort of coming to terms with that throughout the rest of the song, just uh, who you are and, and who uh, you are maybe destined to be because of who your parents are. She loves my 
So I did not know that Lucy Dacus was adopted. Yes. So that makes this song, I think, doubly complex. The idea that her mother is not physically related to her. So getting your getting your upbringing and the nurture side of who you are separately from like the nature side of who you are contributes to the complexity of how you interact with your parents. It, did you know anything about her parental history? Like, is she in contact with her her birth mother? Yes. So um, she actually did an interview for this song specifically, and they talked just just about the song and the meanings behind it. So she says that it's really about both of her mothers in different ways. The interviewer asks her what her mothers think about this song. And she said, I mean, at this point, this was a full year ago now, so I don't know what has changed since then. But she said she actually hadn't shown it to her birth mother yet because they're mostly just friends. They just they just met each other at 19 or when she was 19. But she showed it to the mother who raised her. And she sort of like took it to be it was like, oh, it must totally be about your birth mother. And she's and Lucy says, I don't think she wanted to take in or accept what I was saying or she just took it as negative like the first line is pretty striking and it was specifically about her and even now I'm kind of scared to put it out and feel like most of my songs are about me and this is the first time I've really put someone else's business at the front but I feel like it's our business well that answers my question certainly that's very poignant and uh, direct and there's another uh cool thing about this which is uh I think on Mother's Day last year the mother who raised her joined her on stage at a show to sing the harmony for this song. So that's pretty sweet. That's very cool. Wow, live music. Matt, amazing. <laughs> um, I spent, last weekend, I spent a lot of time listening to Lucy Dacus. Yeah. Um, when I drove across the country again, um, I listened to Historian like maybe three or four times all the way through. Yeah. So you picked the song. I was like, oh, yeah, I've been listening to her music recently. I like the like the rock oriented aspects of her production and like the backing track, um, which obviously we don't have too much of here. It's mostly just acoustic guitar, but it really allows her lyrics to shine in this particular case. Yeah. And I think it's really beautiful beautifully mixed in that way that the guitar is has so much depth to it um, and her voice has so much depth to it and that she has a low voice and it just it it just uh threads together so beautifully i love that we dig our feet in Gabe, uh, what's your song for this week? So this is I Can't Live Without My Mother's Love by Sun Kill Moon off his record, Benji.
So, Andrew, the first thing I should point out is I was listening to my song. Yeah. And then the like little playlist that I have that contains like all the possibilities and the songs we're picking for the week. Yeah. Then went immediately into your song. I was like, hmm, these songs are very similar in some ways. Yeah. There's like this acoustic arpeggiated guitar line and then the solo vocals and there's some harmony. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Oops. Could have done something a little more different. But I think this is a great song and I like the message. I had toyed briefly with bringing a couple more depressing songs about mothers. But Mother's Day is a positive holiday. And I think the song is fairly positive, or at least as positive as Sun Kill Moon gets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I gotta say, I'm shocked that the person bringing Sun Kill Moon to this podcast is not me. I am also shocked. I, I mean, I'm, ta- I'm bringing Lucy Dacus, which is the reason I'm not bringing Sun Kill Moon, because this was another song that I was thinking about, but I, I couldn't not pick Lucy Dacus. But like, yeah, that's, it's crazy to me. So I was introduced to Sun Kill Moon by this record, which is titled Benji. You know the reason why it's called Benji? Uh, I, I don't. Uh, you know the song in that record, uh, Ben's My Friend? Yeah. Do you know who Ben is? No. It's Ben Gibbard. Ah. Uh... <laughs> this is why I'm saying it's insane to me that you have brought this song off an album named after Benjamin Gibbard. <laughs> Interesting. Didn't Lead know that. Lead singer of Death Cab for Cutie. <laughs> Possibly the most formative, definitely the most formative musician in my entire life. Yeah, One of my absolutely. favorite musicians. Yes. Well, okay. So here, this is always the risk about bringing an artist that you know very well. <laughs> is that you're going to have more to say about this than I will. <laughs> but uh, so I was... But I wanted to specifically mention that this album opens with a song titled Carissa, Ugh, oof. which uh, so, so basically Carissa is about one of, uh, well, Sun Kill Moon. First of all, Sun Kill Moon is uh, Mark Kozilek. Um, Kozilek. Anyway, so hit Mark Kozilek. What do I know? Um, anyway, so his second cousin, Carissa, uh, ends up like dying in an explosion of trash, um, and he wrote a song about it. That is, that's a weird thing to say. I feel brutal. like you should you should be clear about exactly the cause of her death, not an explosion of trash. I mean the tr- the trash can blows up, right? Gabe, I know what happened, but like when you say an explosion of trash, that could be anything. Like it. What it is is like there was an aerosol can in the trash and she was burning the trash and it exploded. Sure. You can't say an explosion of trash as if it was like, like that sounds like spontaneous combustion to me. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, so he writes, I would say generally pretty sad music. Uh, But this song is nice and it's about his mom and about how he can do without all of these different things. But he won't be able to live without his mother's love. He wrote it at a time when his mom was just like doing fine. She's like 75 in the song and healthy and well. And um, so that's all nice. Yeah. It's nice that he just like wrote a song. It was like, Hey, like my mom's great. Yeah. I feel like Sun Kill Moon can write a song about anything. Honestly, 
I mean, I feel like Mark Cosley can write a song about anything. And that's not saying he can write a good song about anything. But you're right that this is an unusual topic for him in that it is positive. And not like a song about Richard Ramirez. (laughs) Right. My mother is 75. She's the closest friend I have in my life. Take her from me, I'll break down and ball and wither away like oak leaves in the fall. The album Benji came out in 2014, but the song was released somewhere around 2013. And then he wrote a New York Times article about the song and kind of explaining his relationship with his mom and how, like, now that he's in his 40s, he's looking at his mom in a new light and, like, really appreciates being able to talk with her. Uh, And specifically how he argues with his mom occasionally about, you know, like, stupid things just like everybody does, but that he still appreciates her deeply. She's gone, I'll miss our slow, easy walks, playing Scrabble. The chimes of the grandfather clock I'll even miss the times that we fought But mostly I'll miss being able to call her and talk Mark Kozlik has such a distinct vocal style that I think is worth talking about here. It's often similar from track to track. He's not overly concerned with pitch not to say he's out of tune right but he's just like it's less important and he makes use of dynamic a lot in his singing he does this thing where he'll like go up a little higher in his range to grab a note loudly and then come back down and like trail off he does that a lot in this particular album and i wouldn't describe his singing as like inherently appealing but it works so well And maybe it's because it lets some of the quality of his lyrics come through more or perhaps the quality of his lyrics make up for him not having like a traditionally beautiful voice. Well, I think it works with the style of his lyrics too, which are very much like rambling and run on sentences. Like he's not right. He writes things that are sort of poetry, but like also are definitely not poetry in a lot of ways. And in the same way, he's like sort of singing, but also he's sort of not singing. He's, he's, he's like reciting things in a lot of ways. He's one of those people where his, he has a very specific style and he's so, so good at that style. One last piece of trivia on Mark Kozlik and Sun Kill Moon, because it's referenced in the song. He talks about, I can live without watching the classical fights. Um, and, but, you know, but I can't live without my mother providing her light. Um, so Sun Kill Moon, the band name, is uh, named after a Korean boxing champion, which is wonderfully obscure. Apparently, Mark Kozlik's really into boxing. I didn't know anybody was really into boxing, but I suppose there are still those people. Yeah, apparently so. I can live without watching the classical fights. I can live without a lover beside me at night. I can live without what you might call a charmed life, but I can't live without my mother providing her life. Did you bring a new song, Andrew? 
I did bring a new song. In those stacks. Um, there was so much good stuff this week. Um, but I have ended up selecting the title track from the new album from Choir Boy, which is called Gathering Swans. So what does that mean, gathering swans? I don't know. I have been trying to find out if there's if it's some sort of reference to something, but I can't find anything. When I typed gathering swans into Google, I only got this album and song. Yes, exactly. So the line in the song is gathering swans for the new world. So it's like, is this some sort of mythology thing? So let me tell you this. I'm on... Uh, the swan page of Wikipedia right now and in the like in culture section and nothing says anything about swans being gathered uh, for any sort of new world. So I don't know what that is. I don't know what it's talking about. I feel like it must be a reference to something that I that is just uh, too obscure for me to find with a, a cursory Google. But like there's another song in this album called Eat the Frog, which is a reference to a, a I think a Mark Twain quote. So just because there's another like literary reference in here, I'm like, this is, and this is a, some wild animal related aquatic animal. You know, <laughs> I feel like it's gotta be something. Yeah. Toads and swans, very similar or frogs, whatever. Nah, they're the same thing. They're the same thing. Um, This is an, a great song. I was not familiar with choir boy. Um, It's so eighties. Yeah. So I love choir boy. I um Choirboy is chiefly Adam Klopp. He has a, a couple of the people in like the band, but he's the main songwriter and he's the singer. He's the he's the titular choir boy or the eponymous choir boy, I suppose. Mm. And you're right. They are like incredibly they have this sound that is just so 80s. <laughs> like it just sounds like like a new wave kind of like poppy kind of thing. But they also get into a little more of like there's like this clearly like modern influences like in a in a emo-y kind of post-punky kind of way um, in some of their music. But the overwhelming vibe of it, especially because of the instrumentation and just the way that Adam Klopp's vocals sound is very much uh, rooted in the 80s. There's something that they do in the, in like the feels like in the mix in the way that the reverb is handled or they use some older synths and then also the like the chordal structure of the song or at least maybe you're right the way that his melody uh runs over those chords it's not a structure that i've heard in like 2010s music if that makes sense yeah no that makes a lot of sense yeah, I think you're right. It's a lot of things. It's uh, reverb is a big part of it. The amount and qualities of the reverb on all instruments, um, just like all the all the guitar effects are really very much in that vibe. You know, there's a lot of drum machine on here. There's uh, a lot of like classic sort of synth and electric piano kind of sounds. And then I really do think that the main thing is uh, Adam Klopp's voice is is beautiful, and he has this. Uh, I mean. He's 
He had the nickname Choir Boy as a kid for a reason because he has a beautiful voice. And it's also kind of goofy. Like, you know, it's kind of lame. It's not like a cool, like, punk voice. Yeah. But he, he has, I mean, he has an incredibly beautiful voice. Yeah. I love it. It has so much uh, depth to it. I hesitate to reference this musician that I'm going to reference in relation to his voice. Okay. And you'll understand why I hesitate. But it, he really does sound a lot like Rick Astley. You know... I did think that when I was listening, and I thought maybe not the reference I was going to bring up, but sure does. Yeah, he does. Also has a kind of a. I mean, I'd say Rick Astley has a beautiful voice. Yeah, I mean that was. I mean that was the whole thing about Rick Astley is that he had a beautiful voice. He was a handsome young man with a beautiful voice, and I think that's true of Adam Klopp. Even if on all of his album covers he has like scary makeup on, that's not very Rick Astley of him. <laughs> that wasn't very Rick Astley of you. Um, so I came across Choir Boy uh, about two years, maybe a year and a half ago, through a song of theirs called Dark Room, and specifically the demo version of Dark Room. But the demo is just this really beautiful, it's very lo-fi recording. Like, it sounds like it's recorded like on a phone in a bathroom. Honestly, it might have been. I'm going to see if I can find out if it was recorded on a phone in a bathroom. I mean, if it was a demo, that's maybe not a bad way to record a demo in 2018 i am incorrect it was recorded on a cassette player in a bathroom oh <laughs> much more punk yeah but it's this really beautiful incredibly depressing song that i came across when i had just gone through a difficult breakup and it's very depressing sort of about how like i'm sorry i can't i'm so fucked up with my mental illness difficulties that like i can't like even be nice to you or be around anyone uh which was uh that was (laughs) difficult to hear but also i listened to it a lot at that time and i got really into choir boy and i'm happy about that i mean why do we listen to music what is because because we have a podcast we have to (laughs) i mean right this is part of it yeah Gabe, what do you have for me this week that is brand new? No dust on it, mint condition, still in the original packaging. What would you say it's freshly pressed or Anyway, what's what is it? <laughs> this is turn from I Break Horses and her new record, Warnings. <laughs> Thank you. 
why do we break horses? Um, I think that's a good question among all of the other why questions that we've been asking today. So we can ride them? Why do we break horses, Master Bruce? <laughs> good. It was a terrible, a terrible Michael Caine impression, but that's fine. It got better as it went along, but it still didn't know it's not good at the end. You should have had a lot more whiskey and some cigars before you attempted that, but that's okay. So, uh, Andrew, with our first set of songs, those mom grooves that we did, mine, mm-hmm. I would say paralleled yours to some extent. Yes, very similar. I uh, might have done something similar here as well. Yeah, in some ways. Lots of reverb on this song also. <laughs> yeah. The lyrics are kind of low in the mix. Yeah. Different topics, however. Um, so let's do some basics. First, I Break Horses is Maria Linden, who is from Gothenburg, Sweden. Um, she's occasionally referenced as having like a partner in the project, um, Frederick Balk, but sometimes she's not referenced. I don't know. Sometimes it really sounds like it's more of a solo project, and then like this other guy that's occasionally around helping her write music, or maybe helped with some of the earlier albums. Um, I this mean, is her it's third. Not, listen, it's not called We Break Horses. True. There's no I in Break Horses. Wait, that's the opposite of what I mean. There's no we in I Break Horses. Yeah, uh-huh. Which, by the way, great band name. Yeah, very good. I would characterize this music as being dream pop. Interesting. But maybe that's because I grew up musically on Beach House, uh, who are very dream pop, and I see some specific threads that run from their music to I Break Horses. There is also a large element of like My Bloody Valentine, shoegaze, guitars, and like staring at your feet music. But the vocals are a little bit more up in the mix. Um, this song is like very long. It's the opener to the record. Um, and it immediately like captivated me. Um, I like music that has kind of this more noir y aesthetic to it. I like music that. Sounds like I'm watching an old black and white film about a detective in L.A. Which, uh, interestingly enough, Andrew, she wrote huge chunks of this album while watching her favorite films on mute. And, like, imagining herself composing to those songs. Or to to those films. Are her favorite films detective films? Or are they, like, Transformers movies? Because then this doesn't really hold up. Uh, I don't know, Shia LaBeouf with some dream pop in the background. This song is... A breakup song. She's uh, leaving this man for not him. Um, <laughs> I it is pretty straightforward, but it's got some. I just, I guess, I really like the way that the lyrics come up in the mix. I feel like I'm like drifting through this haze of like 
sparkly reverby production and then like all of a sudden there'll be like a line about half erections and you're like oh interesting oh, or, fun but it, it, it's almost like emergent which is cool there's a really nice uh synth sound on this track like a nice like electric keyboard kind of yeah i like the production across the entire record um it's also a very cohesive album um it flows really really nicely it has like these big bookended like long tracks that are emotional the other thing that Lyndon talks about when she talks about this record um is that like apparently a whole bunch of things happened to fuck up the the, like the recording of this like she had like several different partners in songwriting and they all sucked and at one point she had like recorded a bunch of music and then lost the hard drive and like this is like an arduous process getting this music released um um i did i really enjoyed the the length of this song which is a weird thing to say i think but i i think that was what helped me appreciate it more because it wasn't necessarily um a vibe that i normally go for but because it was sort of this extended uh, it really took its time with with developing it, and I really enjoyed that. I like music that like builds an atmosphere for itself, not necessarily atmospheric music, but music that like creates a world and then puts the song inside that world. Yeah, and I mean that's that's what I mean with that. Like they take the time to do that in this song, which is which, or she takes the time to do that. Yep, I takes the time to do that. The horse takes the time to do that. Well, the horse wouldn't actually. The horse has been broken, so. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's like literally physically broken. It just means like it's going to follow your orders to, to put together the song correctly. Oh, sure. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Very, very nice. Any other standouts from this week? Um, I thought there was a lot of great music. Yeah, there was a ton of stuff. There was a good album from the band called Same, which is a difficult band to Google. A difficult band to even Spotify. Yeah. I was like, oh, record from a band called Same. I like, typed Same into Spotify, and I was like, ah, I'm only getting that one Macklemore song. <laughs> But then, like you go, you're like same band, same music. Wait, shit, fuck. <laughs> but anyway, Plastic Western is the name of the album. That's easier to Google. Check it out; it's very good. Uh, there is a new album from Eve Owen called "Don't Let the Ink Dry," and I was just like doing some casual research on her this morning. It turns out she is the daughter of Clive Owen. Oh. Um, and she was also one of the primary contributors on the Nationals' most recent record, which I didn't know. Okay, interesting. Um, there's a good album from the band Adeline Hotel on which a uh, friend of the pod, Ben Saraton, plays called Solid Love. A lot of good stuff. Almost brought the last track of that album, uh, which is really beautiful. So if you liked Ben Saraton um, a couple months ago when we when I picked him, um, you would like Adeline Hotel. Check him out. You, were like, you, you texted me this morning. You were like, oh, you should check out Adeline Hotel. And I was like, Huh, I should. 
I like listened to them and I was like, oh wow, this is incredible. Yeah, I came very right? close to also bringing something off that album. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there. There's a record from a Puerto Rican duo by the name of Buscabuya. Um, that that album title is Regresa, um, which is like kind of a mashup of Puerto Rican and Latin dance music and pop. Um, that's really interesting. Um, they're recording out of New York now. Um, and it's got kind of a grimier edge to it, but very good. Um, two tracks from Squirrel Flower, uh, and those two songs are Take It or Leave It and So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings, which are, is a great song title, and also two good songs. Almost brought Take It or Leave It today. So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings is a cover. Oh, it is? Of what? Yes, of a Caroline Polachek song. Also, I wanted to shout out um, Haley Williams, who's the lead singer of Paramore released um her solo debut called pedals for armor i don't know why i like paramore or <laughs> it's not really my style of music but maybe, maybe it is i don't know uh, but i've always been into it um into them and Haley williams and i really like her record although she's released two-thirds of it uh, like on singles and like eps um before the full album was released yeah but some good stuff it features boy genius on one of those songs too Right. So once you're through listening to all that good music, or even if you're not, I suppose, you can follow us on Twitter at Fresh Pressed Pod. If you'd like to see a playlist of all of our picks from this week's show, um, I am attempting to keep an updated version of that on our Spotify, which is in the show notes, um, which is currently up to date. So hopefully we'll keep it that way. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back next week, May 19th with more tunes and more grooves um happy mother's day and it's also my dad's birthday and it's also my ex-girlfriend's dog's birthday and all of those days were two days ago when you're when you're hearing this so maybe i'll cut this part out for now i'm gabe i'm andrew and you've been listening to fresh press 